take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast as a way to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. Today is the day after Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of those fathers out there. And uh, I think we're going to be talking about fathering. Do you think fathers are important? Uh, yeah, they are very mm. important. I had a great Father's Day, even though our kids are not in the same state. Why was it great? Well, you know, it, it is kind of strange now being an empty nester and our kids are like in different states and, you know, the way that we connect now is virtually. But, you know, I, I think it really highlights the strength of our relationships I like that Alec and Angie sent you um, a virtual Manhattan, which is your favorite cocktail. (laughs) Right, right. They sent me like all the pieces in order to make a perfect Manhattan. And uh, Dean down in Texas, he he did call me to tell me uh, my gift is delayed. So I have no idea what that is. Right. Um, That'll be fun. Yeah, it will be fun to see what happens. Um, But, you know, for for all of those fathers out there... um, I salute you. Absolutely. And I'd like to give an extra shout out to you stepfathers. Absolutely. Being a a stepfather is, uh, it's a very powerful role. So you're a stepfather Mm -hmm. and a father Mm -hmm. and a father-in-law. And a father-in-law, right. Yeah. There's a lot of different facets to this fathering. (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk about what it was like for you to, um, I don't know, contemplate being with me having a child and what that role would be like for you in your life and how you process that? So obviously, thinking about having a relationship with someone who already has a child, you really have to look at it very differently. You have to look at it from the perspective that, you know, you you can't take it casually. That the impact that you are going to have on this relationship is ultimately going to impact the child as well. Yeah, I remember, you know, when you're a single parent, the lines are kind of blurry because sometimes your child ends up being your friend and your companion and shared experiences, regardless of what those things are when it's just two, you know? And I think there's a closeness that you have as a single parent. And when 
you know, a, a step parent comes into the picture, it disrupts all of those dynamics and something new forms. I think it's a really awesome experience and perspective that I have in having been a stepfather and then also being a biological father. You know, I was able to see the difference and the similarities. And the difference really is that being stepfather, you are stepping in into the second quarter or third quarter of a game, you know, to use a sports analogy. And you kind of have to get up to speed a little bit quicker than as a biological father. Right, because when you have a baby, they come kind of small and you get to ease your way into it. (laughs) Right. But you're instantly stepping in. He's 10 years old and you're having to form a bond at that point. You know, I, I think this is a really important point, and I think we've talked about this in other podcasts, but, you know, the blended family is the leading family structure in the entire United States right now, which means the traditional intact family is a minority now. So there are a lot more stepfathers out there than there are intact biological fathers. Right. I should say that differently. There are more stepfathers out there than biological fathers that are within an intact family system. And, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there that talk about the impact of kids growing up without their father and without the impact and and the influence of their father. And it is pretty staggering that it relates to delinquency, it relates to uh, drug abuse and legal problems, premarital births, high divorce rates. There's just so much that is connected to kids growing up without the presence of a father figure. You know, in my experience, it feels like as a mom, your job is to, if we're going to use the analogy of the child being like a plant, your job is to water and feed and shine the sun and help it grow. But it feels like a dad's job is like the trellis to shape it, to mold, to help it become. Um, so it's not wild. It does make sense, you know, that there is a structure and a consistency that fathers bring into their, their children's lives that is pretty significant. Right? Not saying that mothers don't provide consistency and structure, but it's just very different. It's different, right. And that energy is something that's very important for kids to be exposed to. And, you know, if their biological father is not in the picture, you know, maybe he passed away or, or whatnot, there still needs to be a father figure in their lives, someone that can provide that energy, that guidance, that consistency. I think the the wounds of an absent father or the wounds of an abusive father or a, um, a father who isn't trustworthy, maybe, are really big things that need to get processed in life. You know, and so one of the best things you can do if you are a dad is work on your own stuff so that you're not passing things down to your kids. You know, when I was younger, I was very afraid of my dad. You know, I was very wanting his approval 
and wanting acceptance from him, but I was also very afraid. And so I made a lot of decisions thinking about what he would want and and how that would please him, which kind of led me in relationships to do the same thing. And then as I matured, him and I would have these debates or these conversations where, you know, I got to see him more. Um, I kind of saw him as like godlike and not human. <laughs> yeah, he was the ever-present power in my life, you know, when I was a child. And then as I as I grew and as I became a parent, I got to see a whole different side of him that helped me heal something. And I think that's why I was ultimately ready to be with you because of the healing that I did with him. You know, I had a similar experience in viewing my father as a child in being that, you know, power in in the family right and you know what's very interesting is that all the fathers that i've talked to none of them think they've got it down none of them think that they know what they're doing right and that there's a lot of insecure fathers out there that are just trying to do the best that they can given what they were taught from previous generations and you know as men in this world were trying to evolve and become better and be there for our children in in a you know much better way than what we than was there for us and it's not a surprise to me that you know the national center for fathering reported that 72.2% of the US population believe that fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America. I would agree, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement, Mm -hmm. right? And I don't think it is talked about enough. You know, you only learn what you learn as a child from your parents, but you also learn the opposite of that. And so maybe if if your dad was really strict and not emotional you learn that and then maybe that was painful for you. So you go and flip the other way and you over emote and you under discipline and either one of those caused pretty much the same problem. And that's why working through the feelings that we have as kids and, and to really learn, if you don't learn something new, you're not going to do something new, a different way to show up and relate. And I think all parents, I mean, none of us get an instruction manual with our kids, right? And so I didn't. <laughs> and a lot of us were actually raised by women. You know, I, I had all female teachers. My mom stayed home. My dad would get up in the morning and leave the house and come back at the end of the day. So I didn't know what he was doing. And I grew up learning that, you know, my job was going to be to take care of things and what I watched my mom do. But, you know, I would imagine as a boy, it might be confusing as to how that integrates. And now we're seeing a lot of dads who are much more involved in the family, in the raising of the kids. And it's really beautiful. Yeah, it is really awesome to see all those fathers that are, you know, taking their kids to school and interacting with them and sports and their activities, which did not exist much when I was growing up either. The standard was as the male figure in the home, you are to go out and you are to make money, you are to work and provide for the family. 
And there really was very little time and energy that was given towards the family and towards the kids. And so it, it facilitates that distance that you feel from your father in that he is the all-powerful, you know, all-knowing disciplinarian that you have to fear. And it is really awesome to see fathers nowadays, you know, affectionate with their kids and spending one-on-one time with their kids. And I commend all of you who are doing that. And I just want to encourage all of you to continue doing that because it has such a huge impact on your kids' future and who they are going to be as young men in this world and who they are going to attract as young women in this world and who they're going to attract as young men in this world. And, you know, it affects their relationships. It affects them as parents in the future as well. And you have this power to change generations to come. If you are spending time with your kid, you are at least having a connection, whether you're doing it right or not doing it right or whatever you think is right, but spending that time together. And do you know what the number one thing is that builds a child's self-esteem? What is that? The parent's ability to take responsibility when they make a mistake and make amends. And, you know, that wasn't really something that happened, I don't think, in our childhoods. I think that was something like, I think men were taught they had to show up with all the answers and and whatever they said went, you know, and that is not always the case. And I know that that was a big part of my journey is when my dad was able to take that responsibility. I was, oh, what, 30, 31 years old when that day came along. But it was, it impacted me even at that age. And so no matter how old your kids are, you are still showing them um, who to be in the world and how to be in the world as you continue to work and grow and figure out yourself. And so that self-reflection is really, really important and it will change the trajectory of your kids' lives no matter how old your kids are. Well, what you're talking about is role modeling. Mm -hmm. And how can you role model if you're not spending any time with your kids? And if they're not watching you interact with, you know, your spouse and interact with them and, you know, just define what it is to be a father in this world, a husband in this world, and a, and a man in this world. You know, recently we went down to Texas and we visited uh, Dean and Catherine and we stopped by and we visited Eric. Eric is our nephew who lived with us for a year. And I remember trying to put the perspective of being the parent that came to visit your adult child. And Dean has an apartment for the first time. And I remember thinking, what did I want from my parents when they came to visit me in my apartment? And I just really wanted them to be proud of me and think that I you know, was, was doing okay in the world. And I re- remembered to really say that to them, to let them know I was proud of them and that you know they're creating these really nice lives for themselves and to give them that aff- affirmation. And I don't think I really would have thought to do that if I didn't think about when I didn't get that for whatever reason, you know, that maybe they didn't even think about it, that that was something that I really would have wanted from them to know how they felt about me in my life in my early 20s and 30s. And it was really cool to be able to show up and and to offer that. And I am really proud of, of all of our kids. 
I think they have these really interesting, um, great lives and they're not afraid of things and they have a lot of well-roundedness. What did it feel like to you when you found out that um, we were going to have a baby? It was quite a shock. You know, fear, disbelief, and just feeling lost, right? Like not knowing what to do, not knowing how to react, not knowing, you know, what the next step is. And so you kind of feel frozen. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. How about the day he was born? The day he was born, I've talked about this before. It, it's kind of like you feel, I felt at least, torn. Because when you're going through labor, you know, my focus was on you. My focus was on helping you, supporting you any any way that I could. And then, you know, when he was born, that's when that feeling of being torn came about. Because now it's it's like he is on the other side of the room and he's being attended to by the nurse. And so now do I stay with you and support you or do I go over to the, you know, the bassinet and, and support him? So it, it was this huge just tug of war that was going on internally. And I really didn't know how to answer that. That's a really interesting perspective, you know, to be almost like a bystander in this major process of becoming a father. You know, I've heard it said that a girl is different in these stages of life. A girl that's never had sex before is different than a girl that has. A, a, a woman that has had a child is different than a woman who has not. And our for us as women, we have physiological changes that go with these major life events where men don't. And so that's a really interesting perspective. What was it like when you held him for the first time? Initially, you have that fear and cautiousness, like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. You know, you're afraid you might hurt him. And then, you know, you start to settle in into this, like the reality hits you that, oh my gosh, this is, this is my kid. You start to feel this nurture and love and protectiveness. A lot of that feeling, a lot of this feeling of protectiveness and wanting to, you know, protect him. Would you say that happens in the way that the maternal bonding happens? That you have a paternal bond that is formed because now you're doing all those bonding behaviors of holding and eye gazing and touching and and creating a connection. I would say, yeah, if you allow it and you step into it, think that sometimes there are a lot of men out there who defer then to their wives after having a baby, thinking that their wives know what's best. And so they're willing to do whatever it is that their wives tell them to do. Just tell me what I should do. Let me know how I should be a father, how I should step up. And in that way, it creates such a huge distance and this, this power differential 
because they don't try to connect with their the innate feeling of being a father, the innate, almost like intrinsic connection. Instinctual. Yes, to being a father, right? Which I think that mothers have to do too. Yeah, that's a big know? secret, right? Like we don't know what we're doing either. And I think the fact that we birth them makes us slow down and we have to nurture them because we're we're going to feed them, right? And so we have to figure that out, but we don't know what we're doing either. And we just have more time to do it because we're typically taking off work because we're healing. And we're just figuring it out as well. But I can see where, you know, if the dad leaves and goes to work and comes home at the end of the day, she looks like she's got it down. And he doesn't get to see that struggle that is absolutely there. Absolutely. Well, I remember also kind of deferring a little bit to you initially because you had had a son already, you know, and that, oh, well, maybe you know, you know, more because you've done this before, right? But I also know that I read a lot of those books, <laughs> What to Expect When You're Expecting. You, you read know. that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and there was there was a version for fathers or something like that, too. So, I, I mean, I read that one. But, I, you know, I tried to prepare as much as I could, you know, very, like, intellectually and cognitively. But it's not something that you can prepare for because you don't know the emotional impact and you know, this emotional transformation that you go through. You know, I think the best thing that happened is that you got laid off and I was already back at work and you had the wonderful I, I opportunity. Actually, I quit. I didn't. Oh, that was a quit one? Yep, I okay. quit. And you had the wonderful opportunity to be home with him mm -hmm. for a period of time, you know, that you were the primary caretaker and had to figure it out. Did you have to figure it out? Or was that natural for you? <laughs> no, it's not natural. You, you have to figure it out. And I was a stay-at-home dad for six months, you know, and that was uh, an amazing experience. And I think that in having that experience, you know, I can relate to what it's like in, in staying home with a child and not having any adult interaction um, for hours and hours and just trying to figure it out. Like what, what am I, what is the schedule here? What is the routine? You know, what is the structure that needs to be, you know, put in place here and the bonding that happens too during that time is something that, that develops naturally. It's not something that you can make happen and you got to figure out, your child's routine and you've got to meet them where they're at. Yeah. You can't just hand them back to someone. And you know, that's something I would really, really encourage couples to do is to take the shift, you know, let your partner have a break, especially if you're not the person doing the majority of the child rearing, especially when they're very small and figure it out, you know, and, and for you partners that are home, let them, figure out how to be parents. You know, they may do something different than you do, but it's okay. They're safe and they're going to take care of their child. They love their child. And it it's okay if it's not done exactly the way you would do it. And for you guys out there, you know, that, you know, are working and you're not, you're not a stay at home dad, but you know, you're, you're 
coming home from work and your wife is, you know, taking care of the baby. If you are taking over that shift, you are not helping her out. All right. You are not babysitting. Okay. That that perspective really puts you in a position of just being like an assistant. All right. This, This is your child. You are taking care of your child. You know, you're not babysitting. And it is really important to know that you are not helping out. You know, this is something that is really important for you to take on. That role of connecting with your child, even though you're tired, even though you worked a long day, it is absolutely important for you to connect with them. You are teaching them things that are going to be lifelong just by your presence, just by how you connect with them, just by how, you know, you show affection and talk to them. You know, and that, that investment will come back tenfold, I promise you. And, you know, if you are shy about it or insecure about it, or you're thinking, I'm going to wait until they're older, that is a mistake. Just get in there. It is better for you to mess it up and try than to stay distant and don't try. You know, I, I think about this, uh, the story of this, uh, a neighbor friend that we have and, you know, he came from, um, just a really rough, uh, background, rough upbringing. And he'd never had really that connection with his father that he wanted. And so because of it, he, he got into a lot of trouble, you know, a lot of drugs and legal issues. And when he became a father, it completely turned his life around. He found a focus in his life. In focusing his energy and his time and his love on his kids, he said to me that that saved him. You know, it saved his life. It gave him something really to look forward to, something important in his life that he never had before. And, you know, every time I talk to my clients, you know, the men who are trying to figure themselves out. And, you know, if they're fathers, I always ask them, if you think about your kids 20 years from now, 15 years from now, and they're independent adults in this world, and maybe they're in a relationship, what kind of people do you want them to be? What kind of man do you want your son to be? What kind of woman do you want your daughter to be? And what kind of partners do you want them to be with? And what kind of fathers and what kind of mothers do you want them to be? And they usually come up with this huge list of, of characteristics and values that they want their kids to embody in their lives. And the question that I ask them is, how are they going to learn that? How are they going to become those people if you are not embodying those values and those skills as well? That's usually very, very impactful imagery, you know, that my clients are are able to connect with. It helps resonate with what is truly important to them, and that is to help their kids become better versions of themselves, help their their kids become better than them. 
Yeah. I think that speaks into the concept of the morning in life and afternoon of life. And I see that as a fairly difficult transition for men because I don't think it's as uh, finite in becoming a parent, you know, and so that idea of wanting to still run around and have fun and do what you want, uh, it's a slower process for that maturity to happen for you to step into those shoes of, hey, I'm the adult here. I'm the parent. I'm the one that they're counting on. And there is a grieving process. I know for me, there was a grieving process of leaving my childhood behind when I became a parent at the you know ripe old age of 21. And that was a sad thing for me. But you know, it all comes back, but there's a short period of life, you know, about 10 years where you really have to be serving and that investment and that, that care and energy that you put into another human being, it pays off exponentially and it's, it's selfless and it's tough. And some days it doesn't feel so good. Some days you wish you could just, you know, what do people say these days? I'm not adulting today. <laughs> I choose not to adult yeah. today. <laughs> Your kids don't have the luxury of you not choosing to adult. <laughs> and it's worth it. It's worth being that person, that guiding light for another human being. I just want to say thank you to you for raising children with me and being a part of our family and all that you've done for us and continue to do. And I really love you. And I've really loved being a parent with you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. It's probably one of the things in my life that I can say that I'm proud of myself for, you know, is being there for my kids as much as I could be and providing for them whatever their needs were. And continue to as well. So we want to thank you so much for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it's enriched your life and your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couple's Weekend Intensive, which is coming up this October, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.